This is the QD Clinic Challenge, stills or not. Hi, I'm Jack Cush with Room Now. Today's case is actually a CPC from the New England Journal, 1989. Look it up fast, and then maybe you can tell me whether this is stills or not. A 59-year-old white female is admitted to the hospital with a four-week history that began with a sore throat, was followed by spiking fevers and profound weakness. There was myalgias, there was arthralgias. Uh, a month earlier, she started with a facial palsy and then a sore throat. He went to a primary care doctor, was given antibiotics. That didn't stop the fevers, uh, although the sore throats sort of waned. In the ensuing weeks, the patient became progressively weak, anorexic, had high fevers and chills daily. She um, had nausea and vomiting the day prior to admission. Um, and while she had significant weight loss at presentation, there was no chest pain, no rash, no visual symptoms, no difficulty swallowing. Um, so when she was examined, she was thought to be acutely ill. Her temperature was 40 degrees centigrade, 104 Fahrenheit. She was thin from her weight loss. She was found to have an enlarged spleen, an enlarged liver, and had a truncal rash. Examination revealed swelling of the knees with an effusion bilaterally. On either chest x-ray or exam, she was found to have a pleural effusion. Her white count was 13.6 with a left shift. Her H and H was seven over 29. Her platelets were 175,000. The ESR was 119. The AST was more than double at 87, and the albumin was a little bit low at 3.2. Lab tests were negative for ANA, rheumatoid factor, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, Lyme titers, and heterophile antibodies. And as always is the case with the New England Journal CPC, a diagnostic test was performed. Now, what diagnostic test would you do here? Um... Of the things that you can point to and stick a needle in or get tissue on, um, the sore throat's gone. She has a rash. Um, you could biopsy that. The liver and spleen are enlarged. Generally, you wouldn't want to do that unless you had good cause to biopsy the liver. Um, and I don't know that the workup has been complete enough to warrant that. Pleural effusions, you could tap it. You could... Maybe get a pleural biopsy, although that wouldn't be your first move here. The bottom line is I wouldn't do a diagnostic test here because I would first subject the patient to the criteria we have for Stills disease that you can check the boxes and figure out whether this meets criteria at least. Now, obviously, a presentation like this, a temperature of 40, a pleural effusion, weakness, weight loss, you're going to do a bunch of things. You do blood cultures and infection workup. You're going to do probably a CT of the abdomen and chest and maybe pelvis. Um, there's other serologies that one might do. But let's then go to the criteria. And you can do this easily by going to the new website that we started, stillsnow.com, and look for the diagnosis calculator where you can check boxes on symptoms and it'll calculate for you. If you look up the criteria, either my criteria, the Cush criteria published in Bulletin of Rheumatic Diseases, 
Um, and um, actually, I came up with this when I was working in Pittsburgh in 1984, or the Yamaguchi criteria from 1992. They both have major criteria and minor criteria, so they're a little confusing to deal with. But if you think about the case we just had, um, uh, quotidian fevers, uh, major criteria, this is the Cush criteria, there's five major criteria, quotidian fever greater than 39, the stills rash, simultaneous elevation of white count and sed rate, seronegativity, and carpal ankylosis. You get two points for each of those. This patient has four out of those five, so it has eight points. Now you only need two more points to make the diagnosis, and again, minor criteria get one point each. Age less than 35, how old was she? She was 59. Oops, doesn't make that criterion. Arthritis, polyarthritis, yes. Prodromal sore throat, yes. LFTs, yes. Uh, Serositis, yes. Cervical or tarsal ankylosis, no. So she's got, it looks like 12 points, and I would say a certain diagnosis. If you did the Yamaguchi criteria, Yamaguchi criteria has major criteria as fever greater than 39, arthralgias greater than two weeks, stills rash, and a neutrophilic leukocytosis. The patient has all of those. To have the Yamaguchi criteria, you have to have two major. She meets that criterion and have a total of five. She Minor criterion Yamaguchi are sore throat, lymphadenopathy, splenomegaly, hepatic dysfunction, and seronegativity. Minor criteria are met. There is sore throat, there is hepatic dysfunction, and there's seronegativity. So there you can help confirm the, this presumptive diagnosis, assuming that the cancer diagnosis, cancer workup, and the infectious workup would be negative. So you'll have to look up the paper to find out what diagnostic test was done. My guess is they went after a skin biopsy. And basically, if you biopsy the liver, the skin, the lymph nodes, the spleen, muscle, it doesn't really matter in Stills disease, nonspecific inflammation is what you'll get. There are no diagnostic tests or procedures that one can do. That's it for this episode of QD Clinic. This is QD Clinic, stills or not. Hi, I'm Jack Cush with Room Now. Today's case, a 30-year-old woman of mixed race shows up in my clinic. She's got seven months history of joint pains, muscle pains, um, lymphadenopathy, uh, non-painful urticaria, and daily fevers that can go as high as 104, usually around 102. Um, she says she gets these fevers without any particular pattern, meaning any particular time of day. But um, generally, she has fevers most days, but not all days, but generally most days. Confusing, but that's the best she could give me. She has a history of sleep apnea, migraines, fibromyalgia, uh, and eosinophilic esophagitis. Um, when I see her, she's on, another rheumatologist has put her on methotrexate. Um, she's taking uh, gabapentin and duloxetine. On exam, there is no rash, there is no lymphadenopathy, there is no hepatosplenomegaly. Uh, she has a number of tender joints and tender points, but no swollen joints. There is urticaria on the trunk and extremities. Labs reveal a white count of 17,000, the hemoglobin of 13. Platelets were normal, chem profile was normal. The CRP was elevated at 19 milligrams per liter. The sed rate was 50. The ferritin was 1,280. Normal complements, negative tests for 
Hep B, Hep C, EBV, ANA, and rheumatoid factor. Uh, immunoglobulins were normal. Um, we did a 24-hour urine and a UA. That was normal. The aldolase was normal. The ferritin, again, on repeat, was still elevated. Uric acid was normal. CK was normal. So in seeing her, her CRP always bounced around in the high range of 15 to 25 milligrams per liter. And, um, and she had these fevers despite being on methotrexate. Stills disease or not? Hmm. I guess we could go to the criteria. Does she meet quotidian fever? Not really. She has high fevers, but not quotidian fevers. Does she have an evanescent rash? Not really. Uh, does she have simultaneous elevation of white count and sed rate? Yes. Is she seronegative? Yes. That's four points on Cush criteria. Is she age less than 35? Yes. Five points. Does she have liver, spleen, lymph nodes, uh, LFTs? No. Serositis? No. Cervical, tarsal, carpal ankylosis, no. Prodromal sore throat, no. So she's sort of stuck. Even though she's got inflammatory markers, she's sort of stuck short of the 10 points needed. I think she got to 8 points total. A diagnostic test was done, as they do in the New England Journal CPCs. What was that diagnostic test? That was an SPEP, serum protein electrophoresis, where she was found to have a biclonal gammopathy. And that was enough to cinch the diagnosis of, yes, you guessed it, the daily febrile syndrome that can occur in adults with onset in adults, Schnitzler syndrome. You never heard of it, did you? Schnitzler's, S-C-H-N-I-T-Z-L-E-R. Again, the, the clue here is the finding of um, non-paritic urticaria, um, an IgM mono or polygamopathy. Uh, um, again, key features are fevers, usually less than 104, arthralgias, arthritis, bone pain, lymphadenopathy, can have a spinal, hepatosplenomegaly, will have a high white count in inflammatory markers, and because of the inflammatory cytokines, um, will uh, you know get anemic and may even lose weight. Um, pancreatitis is a uh, sometimes complication of this. Um, it's thought to be a form first of, um, of malignancy, especially the lymphoplasmocytic uh, plasm malignancies, something like Waldenstrom's. In fact, Waldenstrom's um, develops in up to 15% of patients. So these patients with these abnormal SPEPs and gammopathy, mono or polyclonal gammopathy, should be followed for malignancy, evaluated for malignancy, uh, and then treated as if they have an auto-inflammatory syndrome. They respond incredibly well to IL-1 inhibition. Um, so anakinrach, anakinumab, even Rolanicep would work well. Um, um, but it does not change the monoclonal gammopathy, meaning their symptoms will get better. But their lab, that gammopathy is always going to be there. There has been, a, um, I think, a trial of canakinumab in these patients. I think that they did well. Um, um, complete responses in five out of seven canakinumabs and none, none of the patients that were treated with placebo in a small 20-patient trial. So um, 
again, consider it. It's one of the conditions that has its onset in adults and has a daily fever. Interesting, no? Tune in for more Stills or Not. This is QD Clinic, Stills or Not QD Clinic. Is Room Now's attempt to discuss cases from the clinic and the lessons therein learned. Today's case is a 21-year-old male who comes in for an FUO evaluation. This gentleman comes to see me in 2008. He's had four-month history of fevers and rash and arthritis. I was fortunate enough to actually have a diary. I'm going to read you this first entry into the diary Sunday. May 2008 was the first day I felt sick. I woke up and noticed a mild rash on the tops of my hands and the inside of my forearms. I also had a very mild sore throat. Three days later, I felt slightly worse, had body stiffness and back and neck pain, and the sore throat was worse. I went to my PCP who gave me a Z-Pack. By uh, seven days later, I was having chills and sweats all night with a fever. There was a light rash on the top of my hands and palms. And at that point, I went to an urgent care doc who wasn't sure, but he guessed this was probably fifth's disease, maybe a parvovirus B19 infection, and did blood tests which showed very high IgG levels and a sed rate of 90. He went on to say that his fevers would occur at night, last from 11 to 4 a.m., would begin with shaking chills and then fevers, and then he would defervesce with a drenching night sweat. He often had to change his bed clothes. By 6, 7 a.m., he was exhausted and would usually sleep up to four hours and not wake up until around 10 or 11 a.m. But then when he woke up, he had morning stiffness of an hour or two. He had muscle and joint pain, especially his quads, hamstring, neck, and back. His wrist hurt badly. His ankles would lock up. On uh, a few days later, he was given prednisone by his PCP, 20 milligrams BID, and he felt much better immediately. However, a few weeks later or two weeks later, he was hospitalized for three days. He was seen by two infectious disease specialists and had many tests, but the only abnormal tests were consistently a very high sed rate of greater than 120, white count of 19 to 25. He was anemic, his albumin was dropping and went down as low as 1.9. He had negative tests for rheumatoid factor, ANA, parvo B19, ANCA, chlamydia, numerous blood cultures. He had um, in the hospital nightly fevers of up to 103 and, uh, and he, when he was given steroids he got better and as such he was discharged on 60 milligrams of prednisone a day and doxycycline and their diagnosis was that he had serum sickness. By June, they were starting to wean his steroids and then he noted the return of fever, going up to 102 plus, he was having back pains, he was given um, celecoxib and acetaminophen, that didn't seem to do much for the fever. He saw two rheumatologists who had multiple diagnoses and he was sent to me to arbitrate. Again, repeat lab, te lab testings done two, two months into the illness, showed a negative ANA, a negative SEL70, SM, RNP, SSA, SSB, double-stranded DNA, all negative. Complement levels were very high. C3 was 235. Cardiolipin antibodies, ASO, SPOP, SPEP, all negative. Cryo, Hep B, Hep C, EBV, all negative. Chest CT was negative. A skin biopsy from the abdomen, both a, a rash area 
and a hive area showed perivascular and interstitial mixed inflammation with dermal edema. He had a bone marrow biopsy three months after the onset that showed a hypercellular marrow, increased iron stores, negative fish and negative flow cytometry studies. A CT of the abdomen and chest was normal and PET scan showed lymphadenopathy in the abdomen, pelvis and inguinal region. A lymph node biopsy was done, showed reactive lymph node changes with moderate effacement of architecture, but no evidence of neoplasia or infection. So again, um, this is sort of a, a typical story um, and he comes to me wanting to know what this is. He has no significant past medical history other than recent shoulder shoulder surgery and some irritable bowel syndrome. He's of Italian, Croatian, and German heritage. Single is with his parents, no drugs, no pets, no foreign travel. Um, and his review systems for the last several months has included weight loss of over 20 pounds, subjective fevers, weakness, fatigue, nice sweats, joint pain, joint swelling, myalgias, tendonitis, back pain, nodules, rash, abnormal nails, sore throat, tinnitus, anorexia, and constipation. When I see him, he was afebrile, uh, had no rash on that day. He had normal vital signs. Uh, there was no lymphadenopathy in the neck or axilla or groin. Uh, chest and heart exam were normal, and there was no evidence of hepatosplenomegaly. On joint exam, he had three swollen joints, elbow, knee, and wrist. He had six tender joints, PIPs, elbows, shoulders, knees. His CDI score was 21, same as a rapid score, same as my gas score, um, meaning he had active arthritis. He did have a nodular swelling at the intersection of the right calf and uh, the gastroc and the Achilles tendon. There was no deformities, there was no uh, ankylosis of the wrist, but he did have some uh, flexion contracture in the left elbow, lacking 30 degrees of full extension. So, Stills disease or not, you've been playing along. Does this sound like the last several cases we've seen? Where does this go wrong? Was the fever high enough? Was it described to be typically quotidian? Um, were the labs in concert with what you'd expect? I said he did have Stills disease. And in fact, if you go through the Stills diagnosis calculator on stillsnow.com, you'll see he has 12 points. Uh, based on spiking fevers, an evanescent rash, urticaria, polysynovitis, myalgias, sore throat, leukocytosis, a high sed rate along with a high white count, hyperferinemia, anemia, hypoalbuminemia, and seronegativity. So yes, he had Stills disease. He had been treated only with steroids. When he came to see me, he was only taking 2,400 milligrams of ibuprofen. We put him on a full dose of um, Nabumatone, 1,000 BID, gave him Tylenol uh, for other aches and pains and started him on Kinneret. And that was in 2008. Um, he did well immediately and was then followed by his rheumatologist uh, in California. So yes, this was Stills disease. Tune in for more on Stills Now. This is QD Clinic, Stills or Not. Hi, I'm Jack Cush with Room Now. We're going to talk today about a case of joint pain, fever, and itchy eyes in a 30-year-old gal. She comes to see me uh, September 27th. Actually, September 27th is when her symptoms started. She comes to see me in mid-January, almost four months later. Her story goes like this. 
She begins with sore throat, shaking chills on the first night. Then two nights later, she has a temp of 101 myalgias, also starting with shaking chills. For the next several days, she has fevers that go up in the late afternoon, stay up throughout the evening, almost last throughout the night, but they tend to be gone by the morning. She says she gets night sweats at the end of all this. She was given penicillin, didn't seem to help things. She started having arthralgias, myalgias, shoulders, knees, ankles, hips, no swollen joints, however. She did have a rash on her arms, stomach, legs, and back. Later, it was on her face and her scalp, and then her eyes became itchy. She was admitted to the hospital um, about two weeks later. She was having midday fevers as high as 103, but usually about 102. She had a five pound weight loss. She had red eyes, conjunctivitis. She denied any history of hair loss, facial rash, um, photosensitivity, Raynaud's diarrhea, uh, you, um, swollen joints or appreciable stiffness. In the hospital, her white count was very high, as was her sed rate CRP and ferritin. She was seronegative. On imaging, she was found to have hepatomegaly, not splenomegaly. She was seen by infectious diseases who found nothing and said this was an FUO called a rheumatologist. Maybe they'll know. She was given 60 milligrams of prednisone and everything went away, and she was discharged home. She was weaning down on her prednisone uh, throughout the month of October by, and she was still having fevers up to about 101 in the afternoon. But by the first week, end of the first week of November, the fevers went away, the rash went away, and she was doing well, only complaining of itchy, scratchy eyes. She was seen by the ophthalmologist and was diagnosed with uveitis and conjunctivitis. So when I'm seeing her now in January, um, she has been without, without any fever or rash or arthritis since um, second week of November. So no symptoms for two months. She only had symptoms, striking symptoms, for six weeks. Hmm. On my exam, no rash. Um, uh, her eyes were a little injected, but um, not ex no excessive blinking. She had no lymphadenopathy, no hepatosplenomegaly, no evidence of serositis. She had one tender PIP, um, and that was about it. Um, and the labs really uh, were negative. But back in you know her first month of her illness, you know her AST was forty nine, her ALT sixty seven, her white count was nineteen thousand. She's a little bit anemic, um, set rate 57, CRP was um, 37 milligrams per deciliter, gigantic. Um, she had a ferritin that went as high as 1300. Uh, her creatinine was normal, her LDH was normal, her albumin was also normal. Um, she was B27 negative, quantiferon negative, urinalysis negative. Ultrasound, the abdomen showed she had a patomegaly and some steatosis, no evidence of stones. She had some lymphadenopathy in the neck on CT. Um, CT showed a pleural effusion, calcified hyalur nodes thought to be consistent with old granulomatous disease. So um, 
I'm seeing her now again, four months after the illness. Um, and the illness was a six week history of FUO. Um, in favor of Still's disease was the prodromal sore throat, fevers up to 103, arthralgias, myalgias, hepatomegaly, mild LFT elevations, and a small pleural effusion. The high white count, very high sed rate in CRP, ferritin was 1300, um, and she had some mild weight loss. Those are all in favor against Still's disease was the duration of her fever and the magnitude of the fever. Uh, and there was no clear pattern to this, meaning while it was up and down, it sometimes stayed elevated, sometimes stayed, sometimes stayed a long time. This was not a circadian or truly quotidian fever. She had an urticarial rash on her face at some point. The lymphadenopathy was brief, but it was there. Um, and she basically had a self-limiting course to her illness. The question is, Still's disease or not? I say no. Why? Because it was self-limiting. It was six weeks of illness. All impressive. If you told me this was her history and it wasn't six weeks, but it was six months, I'd say, yes, she has Still's disease. Don't ask me the very hard question of how long does it have to last to be Still's disease? Six weeks or less, it's not Still's disease. Six months or more, it's Still's disease. I always say when asked by patients, doc, how long is this going to last? meaning the systemic features, the onset features, I say, you know, eight months to eight years because less than that, I'm a lot less certain. And the Stills disease will abate in most people and the patients will do well. Many patients will have long disease-free intervals, either, you know, one year, two years, as long as 40 years, in fact, is on the records. But some patients will have just one spike of, of illness and it'll go away. If it's six weeks or less, I don't know what that is. If it's, you know, six months or more, it's probably with Stills disease. But the thing about Stills disease, kids or adults, is it tends to recur. And there are long disease-free intervals. If it does recur, you sense the diagnosis. If it doesn't, there's a little bit of cloud of suspicion at best. When you have atypical cases like this, when you don't know, Either you do nothing and observe, or you can do genetic testing. Um, if this patient continue to have symptoms, and in fact, she is continuing with uveitis and conjunctivitis. Now it is a little suspicious. Conjunctivitis is one of those common symptoms you see in many of the auto-inflammatory conditions. It's seen in traps, Mucklewell syndrome, FMF, Schnitzler syndrome, cyclic neutropenia. I think I could go on with a few more. And the point is, it's part of the constellation of inflammasome activation, and maybe the, she has it on auto-inflammatory syndrome. Uveitis, less common, but is seen in other conditions that either are auto-inflammatory in nature or not. So I might get a genetic screen by, you know, invitae.com, order, order an auto-inflammatory panel, $100 to the patient, you get it out of the way, and now you know. Otherwise, you can observe the patient and see what happens. To date, the patients remained asymptomatic and did not have a genetic panel done. But this case, as presented, is currently no, not stills. Hope you enjoyed it.